0: Hold on to your butts. Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome Debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello,
2: gentlemen.
0: Oh. Well, that might have been pretty in sync. And this is the <laughs> podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time listening to this show, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. And you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. <laughs> and on today's episode, we are going to be uh, um, focusing on a review of 1988's Midnight Run. <laughs>
2: Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter.
1: Didn't your mother ever teach you how to talk nice to people and not shoot at them?
2: Charles Grodin is an accountant
1: who embezzled $15 million from the mob. It is truly in your best interest to just relax. I'm totally relaxed. I want this guy taken off. I want him taken off fast. The mob wants him dead. The FBI want him alive. I'm gonna bring him into federal court. Do I make myself understand? These sunglasses, they're really nice. Are they government issued or do all you guys go like to the same store to get them? And his bail bondsman wants him in L.A. in 72 hours. They can't fly. They also suffer from acrophobia and claustrophobia. I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. The travel
2: has a funny way of bringing people together. Oh,
1: you're going to outrace the police car? You're going to outrace the police car? Jack, where are you? I'm in Boise, Idaho. <laughs>
0: So, Midnight Run is the second Marty Breast movie that we've seen on this uh, uh, podcast. We love the breasts, as I like to say. Uh, Martin, so Bre- yeah, we have a full set now. Yeah, so now we have two breasts. We're racking up the Martin breasts.
1: <laughs> nice, racking up. Nice.
0: And this is the uh, this movie, Midnight Run, came out as I said in 1988. It stars Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, and uh, Joe Pantoliano. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. So this is the second movie in a row where we discussed Goonies last week, um, and this is uh, he's also in this movie as well. Um, and I am reading the plot synopsis from IMDb. An accountant is chased by bounty hunters, the FBI, and the mafia after jumping bail. Um, so it focuses on Robert De Niro's character named Jack Walsh, who needs to bring this um, white-collar criminal— uh, an accountant who embezzled money from the mob back to his bail modsman in L.A., um, and he needs to do it within a certain amount of time. Um, the way I would pitch this movie is it's planes, trains, and automobiles, except with mobs, mob yeah, bosses in it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty good. Or, or you know, <laughs> or planes, trains, and automobiles is Midnight Run, except a comedy, or yeah. a pure comedy with yeah. uh, John Candy. So um, the movie, this is an interesting film for a variety of reasons. One, because... Um, I've never seen this movie before. I know, crazy, right? Mm. Um, especially mm. because I know it's a beloved comedy. It's also um, De Niro, especially in this time in his career, um, expect, you know, in the '70s and leading up to the '80s, was known as a very serious actor. Um, so it was interesting to see him stretch his comedic muscles in a movie like this. And Martin Brest is a director. Um, a, this is his follow-up to Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> and. Um, which we discussed in the show, and he was being poised and primed to be the action, you know, director of the '80s and '90s uh, to have this illustrious career that went on to win Pacino an Academy Award for his performance in Set of a Woman*, and then no one—he made a couple of bombs, and then he made Gigli, and no one has heard from him since. So
2: See, got, he was a terrorist. He made bombs. Yes, <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> gotcha. um, so. Uh, just get right into this show and whether or not the movie holds up it, it was critically very well received at the time um so mike what's your familiarity with this movie and do you think it holds up to re- a review
2: yeah funnily enough um ivan i i just i didn't see this movie either what <laughs> no crazy i even even more i never even heard of the damn thing what um i've heard of <laughs> never heard of this movie I looked at the poster, never saw anything that looked remotely like it before. I'm I, I completely unknown to this movie. Um, and uh, I, I really liked it. I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> All right. And uh, I, I'm not sure if you guys can hear it. Actually, there's a huge rainstorm going on right now, and it's real intense. So I oh, apologize oh. if you can hear the wind. We can hear um,
0: it. Yeah, I can hear it. But that sounds good. I like it.
2: Great. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good uh, Good material. Um, but sounds yeah, like no, you're I, I thought it was. What? <laughs>
0: it sounds like you're peeing. It's great.
2: Uh, It's definitely, I'm definitely not peeing. Um, Not yet. (laughs) Uh, The wind's getting a little intense, so I might get there at some point. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, no, so, no, I I thought this was fantastic. I think, um, yeah, you mentioned that that, uh, De Niro's known mostly for serious roles. Yeah, and I I feel like the only other role I saw him in that I might compare, just because it's a comedy, was uh, uh, Meet the Parents. And it's a very different role because, I, I I don't know, I think this movie, he's, He's a cool character, he's a cool guy, but he's also very, like just not perfect. I think we've talked about that in the past, the best action uh, heroes, the ones who make mistakes and screw things up, and you see where they have faults and flaws and all that stuff. I think his mannerisms and just general um, way he carries himself is fantastic. Um, very just early on in the movie, weary. not even doing anything. <laughs> you, what's that? World-weary. <laughs> right, yeah, world-weary, but he's got a little bit of a swagger to him. He's just a cool guy doing cool things. Yeah. Um, And uh, I I think just as the movie progresses, Ivan, perfectly, you know, trains, planes, and automobiles, you're you're right, like, it's it's the same idea, even like a little bit of Rat Race, too, uh, a movie from the 90s, of just trying to get across the country by any means necessary and how that changes throughout the movie. And um, I think the the structure is great, the story is great, the acting is phenomenal, Um, the casting. Charles Grodin, never heard of the guy before. Um, He was in Beethoven, right?
0: He's the dad in Beethoven, yeah.
2: Right, so that's the only thing I know him from. But he was fantastic, and I think, honestly... I feel like he's almost like the linchpin in this movie because if you don't, if you don't like him and you don't think he's a likable character, it loses a lot of its value. The whole story, you know, um, and we can touch upon this stuff later. But I just think overall, I I have a lot of really good things to say about this movie. I thought it was fantastically done. So, and I'm surprised I haven't heard of it given the uh, the quality. I feel like it has.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, if I were to predict whether or not you would like this movie after watching it, I'm like Mike's gonna love this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm glad my uh,
1: it has it does have a strong moral code to it. It's, well, it's not only got it, a strong well, moral
0: code, but um, Charles Grodin, who plays the Duke, as he's he's known, he's like this character that like is Mike's like ultimate because like. The way he's like, he's kind of reluctant to do everything, and he's uh, like, there's something about him that I think that appeals to Mike's sensibilities. It's the, um, well, I think, it's the Rick Moranis
2: lover in Mike. So. <laughs> oh, it's funny. <laughs> I would say the
1: uh, De Niro character would, would appeal. Maybe both characters, both of them, but
2: for different reasons. What's yeah. interesting is, I mean, so you have both of them kind of. You got Jack Walsh, who, by the way, hilarious giving an Irish guys, Irish guy's name to an Italian actor, um, especially one like De Niro. <laughs> but I think uh, his character is interesting because, yeah, he's following the law, but he's not really necessarily a law-abiding citizen because he's stealing an FBI badge. He's doing all these things to kind of get a raise. doing things that a law, uh, a policeman couldn't do, right? Like, he does kind of break the law in the sense of how he gets he hit the means to his ends, right? But he's he's doing it for the right reasons. Same thing can be said for, what's his name, for um, uh, Mardukas because he's stealing, but he's stealing money from the Mob to give it to poor or not poor people, sick people, right? It's a charity, mm-hmm. or is it? I guess it is poor people, too. Um, he's a Robin Hood, <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And I think both these guys they, they break the law in, in their own way, which is interesting because you think about how De Niro comes down on you know his wife's new husband as being like, ah, oh, a crooked cop, and he did, but there's there's ways where he's kind of breaking the law, too. But it's in in the sense of he's doing it for the right reasons versus the wrong reasons, right? Um, so that's kind of how you can justify these, these characters. Um, so Dave.
0: Yeah. You suggested we watch this film, and I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, your thoughts upon it. Was this one of those ones that was constantly in your VCR in the 80s, early 90s?
1: Yeah, early 90s. Yes, this is this is one of those comfort food movies for me that I, I feel like it's yeah. just aged really well. Uh, fortunately for me, <laughs> doing it on this podcast, um, <laughs> I, I still remember the first time I I saw. I, the, the first time I saw this movie, I actually saw the last five minutes of this movie, and I was coming home from a friend's house. My parents had rented it. It was back; I think we had just gotten a VCR, so this is this must have been like at the end of '88 or something like that. And uh, and you know, back then, people were actually renting VCRs, and you'd rent the tape along with the VCR. And I think that might have been what they were doing. And so, you know, having a movie at home was a pretty pretty big deal. And uh, I was just coming home, and I caught the last five minutes. So I said, like, "What's this, Mom, Dad?" They're like, oh, well, it's Radar, but we'll tell you, you know. <laughs> then they run with Robert De Niro. I had no idea who Robert De Niro was at that time because I was 12 and I just didn't know. <laughs> Most of the movies that de- – you know, De Niro is kind of now known for um, doing a lot of comedy, uh, you know, in in the past 15, 20 years. But, but back then he was uh, – most you you know his movies really like Raging Bull Taxi Driver Mean Streets The Godfather so he was a well respected and uh, an award winning actor but most of his movies were movies that uh, were strictly for Wait, adults.
2: Didn't he? It wasn't in The Godfather. Godfather Part Godfather Two.
1: Part Two. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you know, not that this is a kids' movie, but I mean, it's you would put this in the. I, I think you could comfortably show this to someone who's like fifteen or sixteen and not you know. 14, whatever, a high school. Yeah, I think with no, aside
2: from aside from the language, I mean everything else is pretty tame. There's no no one gets killed. There's right. no
1: blood, the violent, There's no gore. There's no nudity. There's
2: no sex. Like it's right. it, it had it's a kind of a kid's. It has a kid's heart to it. You know?
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it does. It's uh, it's it's a it's like a buddy. It's it's uh, I feel like there were a long line of buddy road movies or or just buddy like guy buddy movies in the '80s, like Lethal Weapon or Forty Eight Hours movies. or uh, even you could even maybe put Beverly Hills Cop, which is also directed by Martin Brest, in that category. Although Eddie Mur- Murphy just, you know, it's like he can't share the stage. You know, that's, that's the nice thing. I think the thing that makes this movie work so well is that these two are able to balance each other, and in a way, the story is uh, decent, uh, and but the um, the characters are fantastic. I think, and the performances really kind of elevate this movie past something like Beverly Hills Cop. Um, so, uh, in revisiting this movie, I think. The the two flaws I think that uh, really kind of stick out for me are the soundtrack. I, I think the soundtrack's a little bit. It, it kind of fits the the movie in a way, even though it was done by Danny Elfman, who's one of the great film composers. Uh, it, it it's uh, not not the greatest score, I would say. It's, it's even, a little even, cheesy, but e- I think it. it even feels if it does right. fit, it's got a southwestern kind of thing, and they're traveling kind of in that area, so it sort of makes sense. Well, um, Midwest, Midwest to California, I guess, and. Uh, And the length. I think Martin Brest, uh, you know, over... With each movie, his movies were getting longer and longer and more, you know, and more padded. And watching it this time, I felt like, eh, maybe this this particular car chase scene could have been cut down or maybe they didn't really need this car chase scene. Uh, You know, maybe a few too many scenes of them walking slowly and talking, which is the most entertaining part of the movie. But, um, you know, it, it felt like you could probably cut 15 minutes out of this movie and it would have been a little tighter. But overall, I mean... Uh, there's so much to love about this movie. I mean, it's like every performance is spot on. Even the, you know, there's this scene where, where my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the movie uh, is when De Niro and Grodin are on the road. They're out of cash and they, and they have to stop by his ex wife's uh, house. And uh, he sees his daughter for the first time in, in um, nine years, in nine years. And that scene is, is short, but it's fantastic. And, and you, you get just enough backstory into De Niro's character that, you know, it makes you – not that you weren't sympathizing with him already, but it, make, it makes you understand him a little bit more. And, uh, you know, even the little girl's performance was fantastic. And so, you know, it doesn't really hit any wrong notes in, as far as acting and writing are concerned. Yeah, um, I think
2: it's – I think, you know, without it being cheesy, I mean, I feel like the moment where she runs out to give him her babysitting money to help him – Mm-hmm. should be really cheesy,
1: but it wasn't. It was heartbreaking. It, it was, heartbreaking. No, it was a really the, nice scene, yeah. De Niro underplays it. That's what, you know, it's like you can really, you know, and kind of jumping to the end of my thought, thoughts on this, this is probably my favorite Robert De Niro performance, which is saying a lot because, you know, he, through the 70s and 80s, he he gave a lot of uh, legendary performances. And even even though most of the stuff you see him in these days, it seems like he's kind of just coasting. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he's one of the great actors. And uh, this is may not be his best performance, but it's it's the one that I, I enjoy watching the most. I feel
2: like it does a good job of kind of, it's a very well-rounded performance. He's doing his typical tough guy thing, right? But he's also showing another side of him. He's showing a sensitive side. He's showing a a uh, comedic side. There's a lot of different aspects we're seeing, a lot of different facets that maybe you wouldn't see in, a, in other
1: other movies that he's done. Mm-hmm. I think we should mention, I mean, Charles Grodin is fantastic too. I mean, for yeah. me, he gets a lifetime pass for all the... Other crap he's done, like Beethoven movies and whatever else. Uh, but you know, he's, he's so good in this movie with De Niro. I mean, he's basically almost as good as De Niro, or if not if not better. I mean, you could argue he's better. I mean, it, it, but Different I'm, character. I,
2: I could see that. I could
1: see someone saying that. Um, yeah. But I think we should ask Ivan how he feels about about the movie. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. Do I, we? You, you know, <laughs> I,
0: I, You know, it's funny. Um, I didn't love this movie, guys, and I don't know uh. why. I don't know. I, and, and, and I feel... I feel like I'm broken in some way because after after I finished watching this movie, you know, I immediately started, you know, seeing what critics said about it. And there isn't a movie that's more, like, beloved than this one. Everyone loves this movie. (laughs) Like, there's nothing – no one has said anything bad about Midnight Run ever. And, like, it's like (laughs) – if you look at the old Rotten Tomatoes reviews, it's at like, 99%. It's, like, super – and it's not like I disliked it. It's
2: just – you didn't love it.
0: I didn't love it. And I don't know why. I think I really wanted do you, to. Do you
2: have any friends? You have friends, right? No, I assume I, that Dave and I are your friends. No, 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 maybe, no, no. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's not
0: it. Friends? I don't have any friends.
2: And <laughs> that, <laughs> that might, yeah, might Dave, be the reason why. and I just found something important. That <laughs> might be the reason
0: why. So here's the deal. I think the more I, I reflect on the movie, I I enjoy it more. Um, because I, I think about isolated moments. I'm like, wow, that was a really good moment. and And it's funny that you mentioned that scene with his daughter in Chicago. Because I... I think that I was really tuned out to the movie, and then that scene happened. I'm like, oh, I actually – I'm starting to dig this a lot more um, because that scene is so emotional in a movie where you don't expect, expect to get an emotional scene. Um, right, and it's yeah. not played – it's never played for laughs. It's never played too sappy, and I think that scene's really, really good. And there were a couple of, like, gem of – like, certain isolated scenes I think are fantastic when they need to um, – Pretend to be uh, when they're also out of money and they go to the yes. bar and pretend to oh be. Oh my god! Uh, oh yes, great scene. definitely yes. the best scene. <laughs> they pretend to um, what's it called? They pretend that they, someone has counterfeited the dollars. Configuration scene. And,
1: <laughs> and,
0: and that 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 scene is great because it does two things that I love about movies. One, I like seeing characters solve problems like impossible problems, like how are they going to get out of this situation? And I like seeing them solve it in very creative ways. Um, so I love that. And plus, it's just a really funny sequence. Um, so I think that scene's great. I it's all Groden that scene. Th- it is, yeah. Yeah. but even yes. De Niro when he's like, when he's like
2: the litmus figures,
0: like, De Niro <laughs> does stumbling, his, like, and De Niro does his like little like head yeah. nod as he like does the as he as um, he, he writes he's, on just the doing,
2: he's like rubbing his pencil on things. Like, yeah, I'm doing her. Oh, yeah, this one's bad. This one's bad. And uh, just picking it up immediately and running with it. It's fantastic.
0: So, I mean, there are great scenes like that, but I think if I'm trying to boil down. I think that the opening, it, it, I think it's slow to get started, at least for me. And I think, like Dave said, I think there are, I think this would be a great ninety-minute movie. And there's something about the pacing of it that just, like that, the 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 chase sequence, like where they're in the desert in mm. Sedona. I'm like, I don't need this. Like yeah. none, none of With this. the
1: helicopter, it felt like it was going on a little bit long.
0: Yeah, all that just feels like it's going on long. And I don't know. I I think
2: I like, I, I agree. And, oh, and I would say th- there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, now this happens. Oh, and then this happens. And then this, there's a lot of that where everything keeps getting one-upped, right? But it's hard for me to, to say which ones I would take out because I feel like every scene has something of value to lend where it doesn't feel like it's just stale or like even the helicopter scene, right?
0: Well, I guess- I mean, story-wise, there's, there's it's just two. okay, but there's you have two. the great
2: interaction with the other bounty hunter.
0: Well, I guess my argument is like, there's like this thing of screenwriting where uh, this tentative screenwriting where um, the sc- a script is based on if the this happens because the thing before it happened. And like you were saying, Mike, I just feel like the whole movie is just event and then event, and like they get out of that situation, and then another. Like it just it doesn't feel like it has the connective tissue to really oh, keep me no. on no, the
2: edge I, of my I, I think, No, no, no. I think it does, but I think that they could have been taken out. I think everything kind of does flow naturally, but it's a matter of like I well, feel like I need need jump could have from one... We could jump right to L.A. at some at a, at a point. You know, I feel like there is maybe a couple stages in the journey we could have done away with. But some of those scenes are great. Like, I mean, the scene with the hotel where he takes a picture and he thinks he's so smart. And in the background it has the, you know, the Blue Angel hotel towels. <laughs> like, stuff like that. I'm like, that's great. i like about, that You're talking there. about Marvin, right?
1: John Astin. Yeah, Marvin, yeah. <laughs> Who was By also the way, we haven't talked about Cop, him yet. Yeah. I think he's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: and it's weird. Like, I, I mean, isolated things in this movie are great. Like you're Like you're saying... Uh, Charles Grodin's fantastic. De Niro's really good. Um, like I, I think Grodin's actually better than De Niro. I think he's great. Uh, my fa- I think the best moment for him acting-wise is when he's debating whether or not to order tea or coffee and the facial expression he makes on like settling on the tea, it's just like, it's just a great moment, especially because at the end of the movie, you know, spoilers for the end of the movie, but it's revealed that he had $300,000 on him the entire time, so it'd be, it's like, he's, yeah. try, he's trying to debate, it's like, I'm starving, and I can't even afford yeah. tea or coffee, but I could literally <laughs> buy the restaurant I'm sitting in right now, is it, an interesting bit of uh, dramatic conflict, I don't know, it's just. I don't know. I wasn't super into it, and I, I don't know why. And one of the one of the reasons Dave also isolated is I think the score for this movie is mind-numbingly bad. Like, oh, wow. like yeah, I, I, I yeah. the whole movie is just like. <laughs> A twangy blues guitar mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> Like, it's just every time something happens, like, oh, God, just whatever you're doing. Like, I just did not like the music in this movie. No. It feels real dated to me. And you could argue that they, they did something different and there was a choice. But it also just feels so bombastic and yeah. over the top. And I, I mean – Compared to Beverly Hill 's Cop, which has like my favorite synth score of any movie, mm. um, I think that 's what this movie needed <laughs> versus yeah. uh, what we get so i don 't know
1: probably not a synth score maybe not and when I was trying to think of like what could they have replaced it with? I mean, I understand why they went with that sound you know because because of the uh, areas that, you know they 're kind of going through the desert a lot. You're going through yeah. these small towns.
0: Yeah, it's... I don't know. know. It just... It didn't... And people really there like are that,
1: cowboys, but, uh, you know...
0: People really like that score, too, if you... Um, again,
2: right. if I don't, you read I don't up on understand this, that. It was Yeah, that was one of the weaker points, I felt.
0: Yeah, so I just... That didn't really jive with me, and... I don't know. I just... I didn't love it, and it, it's... I'm trying to debate whether... Why that is... I like the I,
1: piano elements of the score. There, there was... The piano stuff... Never mind. I'm sorry. No, I guess <laughs> it,
0: to, to sum up my perspective... <laughs> I just never felt, I never felt like they were in ever ever in any real danger.
1: Oh, and I never, come f- on come never. On. I never
0: felt that, and I just, uh, ex- apart from the big De Niro moment with his daughter. I don't think I just emotionally attached the way I should be because this is a movie where you really should feel about the camaraderie between these two guys. Yeah. And I know a yeah. lot of people and you do. do. And you do.
1: I, you, I do. Just, you, you do. You definitely do. You <laughs> do. Tell me you do. Well, that's yeah. the All thing. I, like, I, the scene right after. You and after. I are
2: going to go on a road trip and <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have some great memories and then maybe that will, will spark some...
0: I guarantee I know, you. This
2: movie. I think you need to go on a road trip with a bro.
0: I think, Mike, I think that you would spend a day on this road trip and immediately turn the car around and be like, I can't deal with you anymore. You're the most <laughs> You know what? This is, not, this is not
2: what it's cracked up to be. I think we both understand friendship now. Let's let's head back. <laughs> you need to watch this on a day. 30 minutes on the road, You yeah. need to
1: watch this on a day when you're not feeling well, and you'll see, like, this is the kind of movie that can make you feel good when you're not feeling well. This I know. is it You know, maybe you'll attach to it then, but, I mean, to, to, to jump on what you were saying about you're not feeling the – you're not feeling the like the connection between the two. The scene right after what we were calling the best scene of the movie, it was with them in the in the train car, and uh, you know the, it's they it's almost like it's almost like that's the western scene where it's like two guys camping in the desert, you know, except they're on the train car. They're uh, they, they have a fire lit in the cabin and they're having this conversation, and uh, they're having this com- you know they're, they're talking about the fact that they you know there's. just... I can't remember the exact dialogue, but the way uh, Charles Gordon says something like uh We have a know, conversation if, with if, himself. You know, who knows under different oh that part's great too, but I I was thinking specifically the part who knows maybe in, in uh different circumstances we probably still would have, would have hated each other, you know. And it takes great actors to sell that that kind of dialogue yeah. where it's like it's just it's funny, it's touching, uh you really you know, the look De Niro gives, uh it's it's like underplayed perfectly. And, and, I, and- I
2: think they do a really good job of the of the the jokes and the humor. I, I think again, it's very easy to have a hollow laugh. I think you know. Not, I, I get the sense that these are two guys who are just cracking. I, it almost seems an impro- improv. That's how genuine the the laughs felt to me. You know yeah. that chemistry, and that's one of those things you just can't manufacture. You you have to just have two actors that work well together
1: in order for that to work. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that, that last scene where De Niro lets Groden go. I mean, I mean that you know that it's it's. I, I don't want to say I got a little teary watching that, but it was, you know I've always found that scene moving. I mean, I feel like it really earns that sentiment at the end. Um, you, you, so you, you weren't, you weren't even on the outside saying, oh, "I understand why this could be touching." To no, somebody.
0: it's. I watched this movie like an alien would view <laughs> yeah, human culture. It's like it, 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 I felt like um, I feel so weird for not loving this movie because it seems right up my alley. But as I was watching it, I was like. I realize I'm supposed to feel emotion at this time. <laughs> I, you and your humans and yeah, your buddy comedy. Are you
2: sleeping? You're probably not sleeping, right? Oh, I haven't slept in years. <laughs> okay, that that will definitely probably, you know,
1: numb you emotionally. Get some sleep. <laughs> sleep for about a week, and then come back and give it a shot. So, what about from a technical perspective? I mean, what, what did you? Th- I mean, did, did you notice uh, a step up from Beverly Hills Cop from that movie to this movie? Because in my opinion, I think this was a much more interesting movie to, to look at.
0: I just really—I th- mean, I like Be- that that um, Beverly Hills Cop a lot because I, I like Eddie Murphy in that role, and I think it—it's got a
1: certain—but that's it, that's Eddie Murphy, right? That that's you know, it's all Eddie Murphy. You can't really call that a Martin Brest movie, or, or I, the, you know, I don't.
0: I feel like Brest starts revealing in this movie bad tendencies, and I think that the, the the reason for that being is he every scene is given this looseness. Throughout, which i think you could attribute to one of the movie's strengths but for me personally again i just feel like it feels feels like you really enjoyed letting that camera roll sometimes and i think that the whole movie feels like it could be tighter and i again i this is probably because i have no attention span anymore and i hate <laughs> like i i just like i my my mind is shot i think that i have been broken by technology so um yeah me too. I, <laughs> but yeah i again i i don't i i admit i'm wrong on this like i Obviously, everyone loves this movie. Like, I can't. I'm not trying to defend my my st- sentiment as correct. It just just didn't work for me, and it feels really unanalytical to say something like that. But well,
2: I'm curious. Like, what What would you change if you could just change something? What, well, I guess what my, do you think? I guess
0: my big issue is I don't feel like any of the major action. So I have this issue. I feel like all the character stuff is great. I just never found any of the action scenes all that compelling, and I don't know if I'm yeah, supposed that's fair. to. Like, did, was like, am I? I, I feel there like are
1: really you, only two major action scenes. Well, there's the river the action sequence, scene. right? And
0: then there's a sequence in Sedona, mm-hmm. and there's a sequence in Chicago where they're being shot at. And I think those are three major action sequences. That's and, true. And each one of those, I'm like, if those were out of the movie, I think it'd be a better movie for me. And it's weird to say that because it's an action comedy, so mm-hmm. you should want those. But I felt the same thing about Beverly Hills Cop, like. I think the action scenes are the worst part of that movie. I'm more interested in, like, the characters hanging around and doing fun, clever things together more so than whether or not a million cars crash or, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, the the opening of Beverly Hills Cop where it's, like, that, that massive car chase sequence mm-hmm. – um, I mean that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. But like Axel Foley sticking a banana in the guy's tailpipe, that's really entertaining for right. me. And in this movie, the <laughs> the scene where they're doing the you know the counterfeit twenty scene is really entertaining for me. And um, I don't know, I, I, some some sequences will kind of miss for me. And I think I think the second half of the movie is a lot stronger. I think there is a turning point when he meets his daughter because I felt a very big emotional attachment to that scene. But you know the opening on the plane I'm like I don't know like I didn't find that I, that I great I, yeah
1: I think I agree with you and I feel like yeah, but it's that's sp- but that's something where it sets it that it sets up something and pays it off later right I mean that's the sign that's a sign of good screenwriting and
0: uh I guess you know, it kind of pays it off I mean it pays it off obviously because he's not afraid of flying he's just right. faking it yeah but I don't know if that makes I don't know if that's a great payoff personally because it just doesn't I don't know, because does that mean everything he says is a lie? Like, what? I don't know what that says about that character, that, he's, that he's good at being deceitful. Like, what, is that, what does that pay I think pay it's off? that
2: he's smart and he knows he was increasing his odds of escaping by making it a more convoluted journey than it needs to be. Right. I think he's, again, he, you know, he is a moral character, and I think he does, he actually does care about Jack Walsh's character, right? So he doesn't want to do anything that's going to harm him or get him. But if, if he can impede the process, he can figure out a way to give him the slip at some point, which is basically what he says, Um, You know, figuring out ways of when he's locked in the bathroom or telling him, well, I'm claustrophobic, let, let me out. So even just getting him out of the cuffs is just an opportunity where he might be able to get away. I feel like he does that the entire time. We're watching him kind of waiting for an opportunity, but at the same time, there's also the conflict of the fact that he does genuinely like Jack Walsh, and I feel like he respects him and appreciates him. So there's also the... And I feel like, Ivan, to your point, I agree. I think the action scenes, for me... Yeah, it's like, ah, whatever. Take him or leave him. I, I am much more interested in that character development and those those um, interactions and, you know, delving into more of, like, who these guys are and how they interact together and what their motivations are. I think if we spent more time there and less time on the action, I would have not been upset with that, you know? You no, know,
1: I think 70, I would say 75% of this movie is is just the dialogue and in, in the scenes yeah, you're describing. Yeah. The, the action in this movie is probably only, like, you know, a quarter of the movie. Which you know again, it's, it's surprising how you're not latching onto the scenes like uh, in the train car when they're first sitting down, and, and De Niro's describing the restaurant he's going to open with the with the money he's going to get from the bounty from being you know this last this last uh, job as a bounty hunter, and uh, you know Groden going on well if I was your account, he's like you're not my account, and he's like yeah well if I were your account, I'm just, you know? I'm just saying if you know, I was yeah, there's just enough back and forth, and the way that's played is so good, and the scenes with Joe Pantoliano, the phone calls, I mean, oh, I, I, love, yeah. I love how there's like. If there were cell phones, if this, exi- this movie couldn't exist, uh, this story couldn't take place in today's world, right? With cell phones, you know, uh, it's not nearly as interesting. I mean, he could just it, watch. It's funny. My, my
2: girlfriend was watch. She was born 91, and we're, we're watching this. And uh, maybe he was 90. I, think she was, I don't know. Whatever. She's young. <laughs> and uh, she's never – I don't think she's really spent much of life without a cell phone, right? So – Watching this this movie, and when they're in the airport, and he has to make a phone call at the payphone, she's like, "God, was that what it was like to have to make yeah. phone calls back in the day?" I'm like, "Yeah, it was." Like I remember, I barely experienced it myself. It's like I was in high school, and that kind of died out. But um, why doesn't he just Venmo him some money? Yeah. I don't yeah. see the
1: problem here. Right, right, exactly. But it offers so many uh, great comic moments. You know, like there's a conversation between De Niro and Joe Pantaleano who plays the bail bondsman that he's working for, and. Uh, you know, if it weren't for the word, you know, let's just say it. If it weren't for the word "fuck" in this movie, oh, you know, my this, God, part Dave, of the reason is oh. sorry. You know, like every time I do this, Mike acts like I just dropped drawers, in my pants, or something. You Mike, the it's, bomb. Just, it's, it's just, it's just the a word, no, okay? I, I, Dave, FYI, Dave's pants are off. Right? So just, Oh, uh, God. Um, yeah, the way you know, if actors can swear properly, and uh, you know, it can be hilarious. And you know, the scenes between De Niro and. Uh, Joe Pantoliano. <laughs> I, I love yeah. the scene where or, where Joey Pants is, is yelling about everyone telling him to go fuck himself. Everyone's telling me to go fuck myself. Right? <laughs> just in the he's like in the middle of the mall yelling, and everyone's kind of turning and looking at him. You know, because he has to because he has to use a payphone in the mall. He, well, uh,
0: I mean, I mean, yeah, I I agree that vulgarity is used to great effect in the movie. Um, like Dennis Farina's, um, uh, who plays the big mob boss. Right. He has certain. Um, he has certain. Uh, Delivery of lines that are very intense, but there's a certain like they're so brutal what he's saying. There's a certain comedic bent to it. I don't. He's know like, I'll stab it. you in
2: the goddamn heart with a yeah. fucking pencil. Exactly. Like that. That was yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a great delivery. And
0: I, re- I actually wrote that line down, Mike, because I, I really.
1: Am I talking to more number one or more number two? <laughs>
0: um, no, there, there are some choice lines. I think other ones fall flat. I think the part where he's like, um, like you're gonna get. Well, he's...
1: I'm gonna bury that telephone in your head.
2: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, no, he says something. There's another line just like that. Where I'm going to blowtorch
1: you. Yeah. I mean, he's got, like, I love all of Farina's threats. I mean, he's the kind of character that could be, another, another. he's another reason the movie works fairly well. Is that, you know, I feel like there were comedies in the 90s, specifically something like, say, Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg, where you had a mobster in a similar situation. Uh, trying to get somebody, basically. And uh, you know, that, that's not not exactly scary. I mean Farina's actually kind of scary in this movie. When when he's sitting in the limo oh, with for sure, Charles Burton yeah. when he's when he's mm-hmm. caught oh, God, in the movie yeah. Yeah. and he's talking about having a nice hot meal and he's gonna find his wife and kill her too. I mean he, he does that you know that could be played very broadly, you know, but he plays it very seriously. And uh not that he's had not that he hasn't had enough comic moments in the movie, but I mean it, it comes off as it sets up the next scene to, um, to actually have some stakes and to be actually suspenseful. And, uh, you know, it's not just an episodic this happens and this happens and this happens. I mean, scenes happen and, and I think they flow, in my opinion, they flow well into the next scene.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, that end sequence, <laughs> though, I, with Good the God. bartering of whatever, I, I, I had trouble following like what the order of operations needed to happen and why it needed to happen. Like, I didn't understand when De Niro sits down with Mosley mm-hmm. on the plane and explains like his plan for somehow De Niro is first off somehow De Niro is not arrested from running from the FBI. Mm-hmm. Like, none, none of that really makes any sense. Well, then, he's like,
1: not arrested because he. He's gonna get them he's their deal, big arrest. Yes, but
0: the deal—the deal he negotiates doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And why is Farina's character implicated if he accepts fake discs? And I don't—he's
1: admitting guilt.
0: I guess I—I I feel like that's that, that is a very screenwritery convention. And uh, sure,
1: it's and, a movie.
0: Uh, well, I, th- that's an issue though. You can't. I—I I don't like the excuse. Yeah, it's a movie. Like that's not a good excuse for me. Um, and then. Again, like, I think there are certain moments that are great, but I think that for every great line of dialogue that really lands, I think there are a bit of clunkers from from De Niro, like when he's like... He's like I, I've got claustrophobia, and then uh, De Niro's like, "You better shut your mouth, or
1: I'll give you a fistophobia. fistophobia. And I'm like, that's not, "That's not really funny. Like, that's
0: just like it's not even clever because fistophobia isn't a thing. Like, he just had fist and phobia. So like, well,
1: it's funny. No, okay, it's funny to me because De Niro isn't the most isn't eloquent. Right, isn't, exactly. isn't that isn't yeah. that eloquent? Right? You know, it's like, I'll give, he's like, I got two words for you: shut the fuck up. You know? Right, you right. Know? You know, he's funny. He's he's street smart, but he's not uh, he's not verbose like I, me. I <laughs>
0: I will say.
1: I'm not
2: verbose.
0: That I don't think more cigarettes... Actually,
1: Dave, you are verbose by the definition,
2: yes.
0: I don't think more cigarettes have ever been... Sp- have ever been smoked in a movie?
2: Oh my than god! This one. Like, <laughs> there needs to be yeah. a
0: supercut for the amount of cigarettes that just De Niro's character consumes mm. in the film. Like, I and, and it made me think about just representing time in the eighties. And mm-hmm. we, did we real Did people really smoke that much
2: in the eighties? I think so. that that's right end. on the cusp where eighty-eight? You figure somewhere what I would say ninety-eight was nah, maybe later where it they was... where they banned New York at least had banned indoor smoking. I would say
1: um, another movie came out that year that we reviewed. Uh, Die Hard. I'd say there's probably an equivalent amount of smoking in Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. that was a, I, I mean, think that there was are the there are then. And I think now with with
2: laws kind of cracking down on in, in, um, indoor smoking, I think it's interesting because it was right on the cusp where it was still cool, but they also were kind of calling attention to it that it wasn't healthy and he should stop it. And you, there's a couple of scenes where he he doesn't smoke and who's stealing cigarettes from who, and that's like it's, that is a major plot point, not a plot point, but it's it's significant in the in the uh, script.
0: Um. So. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm bagging on this movie too much. I'm gonna say, let's go round robin and say our favorite lines. And because this movie is a, like you said, Dave, it's a movie that people quote a lot. Like it's it's a movie that has lines that it's the kind of movie that when pe- people rewatch it because they in genuinely enjoy hearing the dialogue over and over again. Yeah. Um, and the funniest line for me in the whole movie actually is not done by Mosley. Uh, I'm not sorry, not done by De Niro at all. It's the scene with Mosley when he's on the train uh, with the porter, and the porter's like, "Oh, the other guy's name was Mosley. How many? B- the other guy's na- his real name was Mosley. Like, How many <laughs> of you are named Mosley?"
1: Like oh that- yeah, he's like, "I'm Mosley." <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs>
0: I thought that. scene Yeah, thank that, Koto. So that was my. Uh, that was the line that actually I, the one time when I watched that, I actually really chuckled out loud. So I don't know if oh, there was anything. Man, um, what, what was what's your favorite go to one?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's like I'm looking at I'm looking at IMDb right now. just going through. I, I mean, I, the one that sticks out the most for me is "see you see you in the next life," you know, because it's something they kind of repeat and it kind of you know has a little weight to it. It's not the funniest line, but it's the line that uh, you know uh, I don't know, means the most, I guess. Like um,
0: another bit that just didn't land. I didn't think the the sunglasses thing was very funny or made a like. I didn't understand yeah, that. Like. Like the line where he's like, "These sunglasses, do uh, you guys go to the same store to get them?" I guess I feel like a lot of Jack Walsh's dialogue, and it's probably it's his character feels like a like a dumb meathead in a bad eighties jock, like a bad eighties jock, like how he would make fun of the dork. Like uh, is, is how I feel like a lot. Maybe of Maybe at dialogue. the beginning,
1: maybe a little bit at the beginning, and but I, as it, as it moves on, I mean, you have like scenes, scenes like we were talking about on the train. You have this uh, great scene of them on the bus. Uh, where you know De Niro's smoking on a bus, which is just surreal to watch, and uh, like a like a Greyhound bus or something, and um, you know Grodin is kind of poking at him to try to figure out what happened in Chicago and you know what happened with his ex wife and and uh, why do you, why do you keep checking that watch? And again, another thing that pays off well is that watch, you know, and the way that that uh, he gives him the watch at the end and it's a touch. I mean, come on, there's a. Uh. It's it's hard for me it's really hard to actually criticize the screenplay of this movie if you're going to criticize uh stuff i mean i'd say maybe the editing and the directing and um uh, you know the score but i mean you know the way that that uh the story actually builds and 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 you know you like the, the the things that happen at the beginning that end up end, end off uh, end up paying off later i mean you know he's not really such a a meathead you know throughout the movie he's just kind of a Kind of a, a clunky—he's uh, he's a little bit clunky at his job, but also kind of really good. Yeah,
0: and, and I think that what you're stating is something that you could attribute to a really strong attribute of the movie. And there is um, a film critic—I uh, think he writes for Hitflix. Is it Drew McSweeney? Does he write for Hit, Hitflix?
1: Drew, Drew, Drew McSweeney, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's what it is. Uh, I think this is his favorite movie of all time. and He's written, like, an article— that outlines why it's so great. And after watching this movie and not being totally taken with it, I read this article and I'm like, I'm an idiot because this movie is great. (laughs) And I just don't, it just didn't land and I have no idea why. And, And I think that partially I've got issues with action comedy as a genre. Like I'd rather, I think very few movies do comedic and action well. And I think that I prefer movies that are action movies that have comedic moments versus comedies that have action in
2: them. I, I would agree with you there because I think in order for um, in order for the uh, action to really pay off and to have that emotional investment, it needs to be a serious movie. And I think when you have a comedy, it's hard to really get that actual serious stakes that you that you need for I think for an action movie. Um, my heart was never pounding in any scene because I knew nothing like that bad was going to happen. But in a, in a good action movie like Die Hard is that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who could die next. Like you need that tone.
0: And I, and I realize they're different movies and I don't want to compare them. But Die Hard's like the like you said, the perfect example because that features a wisecracking protagonist. And there are laugh-out-loud funny moments in that movie. But I'm on the freaking edge of my seat from scene to scene. And with this film, I don't know if it all um, just quite worked for me. And I, I just felt... I just was—I think that the character relationship that develops between De Niro and Grodin is great, and I will never—I won't deny that. I think that that's very well done, and I think that, as you say, Dave, it is genuinely touching and at least develops to that point. I guess strictly from a plot—I guess if I'm going to say my end-all, be-all about the movie, strictly from a plot point, I never felt like—and it's weird, like there's a—there's things that— Every screenplay should have there is a clock, there's a defined schedule that they have to meet on. They've got multiple parties after them. You would think that I would be really into the plot. I just felt like the whole movie just kind of floats from scene to scene, lacking this sense of momentum. I'm like, oh now they're on a bus. And now they're on now they're in this car. And now and it just it never all came together in a way that I was really looking forward to the next scene and how it would play out. So I think isolated moments really work well for me. But all in all, I realize I'm wrong. That's so, kind of
1: the nature of the road movie, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, they're they're on they're in one location, then they're in the next location, then they're on the next thing. Well, I
0: mean, are there other this? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, good point, Dave. Are there other road movies that you think that you really like? And I'm curious whether or not. Maybe it's uh, just yeah. maybe it's just the format of the movie that like they, say
1: something like Thelma and Louise. Are you a, I've
0: never actually seen it. Okay. <laughs> All
1: right, yeah, that's one of the better uh, road movies that I can. We were think supposed of. to do that movie for one of the podcasts. And we probably shows. should, should because I yeah. think it's
0: uh, having an anniversary actually right now. Yeah, um, because it came out in like '86 or something like that. Is that possible? Um, uh, no, no, no,
1: '91. Oh, '91. Pretty sure. Never mind. Um, I have one question for you guys. Have you ever seen a thousand dollar bill? <laughs> Like I, in, in real life, no. In Real life, no. Neither have I, I mean, I, and, and the thought never occurred to me until I saw it this time, and uh, I looked it up. Uh, they stopped printing. They actually made one thousand dollar bills, but they stopped printing them in nineteen sixty eight. So was I, it's, it was on a thousand dollar bill. Uh, I don't know. You can look it up. I'm I sure. am. Uh, yeah, but it's not. Li- it's not likely that they still would have been in circulation. You know, twenty years later. <laughs> was it
0: Harriet Tubman? No.
1: Harriet Tubman. Never mind. No, it was not Harry Duncan. I think that was a lol. (laughs) That was
0: a failed joke. Yeah. Um, It looks uh, like it was Roosevelt? No, uh, Grover Cleveland.
2: Huh. Oh, yeah, Cleveland.
0: He was replaced by Andrew (laughs) Jackson in 1928. Oh, he was. uh, Apparently, Cleveland was on the 20, and then Jackson took over the 20. And he got pushed to the thousand dollar bill.
2: Yeah, well now the Jackson's getting his comeuppance going to the back of the bill. <laughs> Get out, back of the bill. And Tubman's oh, taking over.
0: Yeah. So yeah, um, that's interesting. No, I'm trying to. I'm really trying to rack my brains for uh, road movies, and I think there is something about the genre.
1: Little Miss Sunshine. I'm just looking at a list now. Sideways, uh, The Straight Story, Badlands. Oh, um, All movies I've seen. Uh, Easy Rider. <laughs> maybe the most famous <laughs>
0: I've actually um, I've never seen Easy Rider but I've seen the other ones you've mentioned um, Borat <laughs> yeah Borat is technically a road movie um, yeah but these movies aren't really standing out as movies that I latch onto, to so that might be a reason why it doesn't work for me Tu Wong Fu Thanks for Everything Julie uh, uh, Newmark. yeah
1: that's not oh wait uh, Road to Perdition was a, was kind of a it has the word road in it <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: god it must I be a road I would say road
1: that movie. yeah
2: that is kind of a road movie they do a lot of traveling there yeah yeah hmm.
0: Yeah, that is a road movie. Um, yeah, so Dumb and Dumber. Oh, Dumb and Dumber. That's a road movie I like, and I think that that. But that's also just because all movie. it
2: needs is fart jokes. I think that's the thing. Ivan will like a road movie if they just throw a fart joke or two in there. Uh,
0: you, if you kill a pigeon with a popped cork, I'm in. So, yeah. um, yeah. I, again, I feel. Re- oh my, the ultimate road movie and the Ra- Rain Man. Maybe no. Can I? T- well, that is a road movie. But can I tell you? I'm gonna give you an example. Same year,
1: same year too. What? But-
0: I think that Tommy Boy is a road movie I quite
1: like. Oh God! So I (laughs) haven't. I remember the last time I saw Tommy Boy.
0: I think Tommy Boy is a modern classic. Uh, Um, I think it's genuinely fun. Like that movie, laugh out loud funny. So, um, but (laughs) I haven't also seen it in about fifteen years. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, all in all, this is a movie that I realize is a a modern
1: classic. One that is. Encourage you to rewatch this in like three years.
0: Loved by everyone and. A movie that I regretfully just didn't j- jive to, and a movie I'm going to pretend to enjoy from now on, wait, 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 uh, <laughs> just so you mean I can. It
2: didn't, it didn't jive with you, or did you actually just not jive? Like dance? you didn't dance the movie.
0: I didn't dance while watching, and normally okay. I'm just dancing left and right. Right. I got yeah. like I every movie. You. Like you've seen a movie with me, Mike. I get up in the theater and I'm just moving. He like, snaps you know? his
2: fingers. He's just <laughs> shuffling in place. Yeah, you, actually, it gets embarrassing after a while. It's, it's
0: really distracting, and I've been thrown out from quite a few movie theaters because of my desire to jive. In I've movies. reported
2: him. I'm like, hey, you got you gotta get someone in here. He's gonna do this for a while. Take this, please. <laughs> um
0: But yeah, I uh you can people write in and tell me I'm an idiot because this movie is clearly beloved. There is no criticism of this movie online. Like there's none.
2: So <laughs> Well Ivan, you'd be the first.
0: <laughs> I, I am literally going to be the first person to say anything negative about this movie in the history of movies. So there you go
2: you know I know I appreciate that and honestly it takes it takes Gus to, to stand up stand up to a movie like it's a bully or something I don't know maybe it I mean, takes no it's because honestly that, that is a bold statement to make if no one else if you cannot find any bad things about it actually you know what that, you no, know, it didn't work for me you know what that
0: means Mike it means I'm wrong but here's so here's something
2: else well yeah absolutely you're, you're wrong but you're also brave I, about your I
0: I almost feel like I would love an editing exercise and I don't have any time to do this but if I had any time I would love to try to edit a cut of this movie that I really like I think it's possible because I think the material here. There's a lot of great material, and I wonder if there'd be way, it'd be like a, Topher Grace has been doing this thing lately where he like cuts together uh, different interpretations of movies. And I think that it would be really like he recut all the Star Wars prequels into one movie, mm-hmm. like keeping only like quote unquote the good stuff. Uh, and supposedly it's pretty watchable. And I think that it'd be really interesting if I got rid of the musical score in this movie, and cut and, and tightened it up in a way that. Would give me the... I think I feel like I could create a masterpiece or at least one that works really well for me.
1: What kind of score would work in this movie? That's the thing I couldn't figure out.
0: I don't know, man. Anything A, a, tra- a
1: traditional orchestral score? No.
0: It, that, that's... I don't think it would... A traditional orchestral score would work. Um, the thing that comes to mind, orchestral. and this is going to be a pretty um, obscure pull, but if you remember the music from Field of Dreams, there's a road sequence in Field of Dreams when they're driving... Yeah to uh, Boston to pick up Terrence Mann, mm-hmm. um, where there is like this kind of, it's, it's the music in that film is done by James Horner, mm-hmm. but it is like a poppy type score that I think would fit this kind of movie better than just, I feel like, th- I maybe I just don't like jazzy, bluesy <laughs> music.
1: Have you well, seen lethal, the lethal weapon movies? I have, but I don't recall the
0: score. There's like
1: a lot of saxophone.
0: Yeah, it's something about like saxophone those, and guitar. Yeah, those <laughs> instrumental combinations are something that just don't quite jive with me. So, yeah.
1: uh, I mean, it, I guess comparing it to Die Hard. I mean, Die Hard was had a head score by uh, what Michael Kamen was the one who did Die Hard and Terminator Two, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, I and mean, that 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 is aged pretty well. I mean, but it also had the advantage of. A lot of doing, having a lot of nods to the Ninth Symphony, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, so that probably helped. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. I guess they could have just done a you know Scorsese style and just had it all uh, you know pop songs and, and oldies.
0: I I almost would have preferred that, but mm. um or or like you said or Tarantino style repurposing mm. old pop music that's not super common right. uh, for the movie, but bringing it out again. I... Uh, I feel like I've rambled about why I'm wrong Mm. too much. Any, any final Mm -hmm. comments on the film guys, as we close out this episode?
1: Uh, no, I think
2: we pretty much covered it. I'm not sure if I have anything else. um, I just want to, you know, I just want to shout out to Joey pants yet again. The guy is great. I just, every scene that had him in it, I I thought was great. I thought he, he does such a good job, uh, delivering lines. And I feel like it's maybe the same character, um, a little bit here and there, but, I, it's, it's fantastic. He's and, great and, at yelling. Yeah, he's great at yelling with that high pitched New York voice. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? It is, it's great. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
0: he's he is a, he's great in everything he's ever been in. He and um, it makes me wish Charles Grodin was in more stuff. And apparently, he kind of. Fell out. Oh my god! I just he was realized. in Beethoven. He had I like just a, wait a minute.
1: Five Beethoven movies,
0: guys. I just realized he plays the Doctor on Louis. Do you guys watch Louis? Yeah,
1: he's great. He's great on Louis. He's yeah. great on Louis. Yeah.
0: He's really good. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: and he uh, had a talk show for years. I think right.
2: I don't, I don't know. Hey, who? What movie did we see Joey Pants in earlier? Uh, well, The Goonies. The <laughs> well, Goonies, right? No, before <laughs> that, because I remember that we we have called him that before. What else was he in that we've have we viewed? Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to get back to the audience on that one, I guess. Mm. I'm gonna look it up. Keep going. Keep going. Um, well, Keep really, going. <laughs> We're yeah, wrapping it up yeah, here, bud. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like There's not seconds. much
0: more to say. What do you want me to talk about? My day? Like, I don't. No one cares about that. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I I think that was. Oh, guys, I got it. It was The Fugitive. Oh yeah. Duh. What was The Fugitive. He was.
1: Played, he, was uh, he plays the, Tommy Lee Jones's uh, like guy. Yeah, right hand, right hand Cosmo.
0: Yeah. Wow. Cosmo, that's right. Cosmo's his name. So there you go.
1: Yeah, it's hard to recognize because he has a a wig in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, him with
0: hair is really... uh, He's
1: usually bald or balding.
0: Or has really thin hair, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so closing out this episode, um, I'm trying to decide what we're going to do next week. Um, I think it's going to be Purple Rain. There we go, Uh, Purple Rain. Because, to honor Prince and his legacy. Also, um, just because I... Embarrassing. I'm, like, I'm embarrassed to admit I'm not super up on Prince's music.
1: We haven't done a musical before, I think. Is have Purple
0: Rain considered a musical?
1: I think so. Oh.
0: All right. We're going to watch know. Purple Rain. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't think any of us have actually seen it. I've seen it in bits and pieces. haven't seen it all the way through.
0: Um, so uh, that will be our next film. Um, also, um, there's a couple other ones coming down the line that I want to do, but we'll get to that later uh, Mike where can people find you on the internet
2: you can find me at com or on Twitter at
1: mikemirandi. there you go Dave what about you Dave Glanz on Twitter G-L-A-N-Z and DaveGlanzProductions.com
0: and you can find me at Ivan Kander on Twitter that's uh, K-A-N-D-E-R and my website is Lucky9Studios.com dot com uh, if you want to uh, like this podcast that'd be fantastic you can do so by liking us Aww. on Facebook and iTunes can iTunes leave- you can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, I, I realize now, way too late in the game, that "reviewed podcast" is the worst name for a podcast because it has no SEO uh, qualities whatsoever. Because if you like "movie review podcast" is like every podcast. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was being really clever because it's a pun. Like we're reviewing movies, but turns out. Horrible SEO value um, and very hard (laughs) to find uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, But you can type in my name, Candor, into iTunes, and that's an easy way to find it. Or type Uh, in
2: really any of our names.
0: Or Mirandy or Glanz. uh, (laughs) Not the body part. Not the body part. And you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com for movies you would like us to cover on this show. Um, Until next time, um, enjoy your bluesy, jazzy musical score. Uh, <laughs> you'll
1: see Danny Elfman in the next life. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right. See you later. See